a Sunday morning. I actually kind of had this message maybe planned for a Sunday or Wednesday night possibly. Uh, but, uh, you know, God just, you know, he'll do that sometimes. He'll just kind of keep, you know, digging away at me. And, and uh, so I decided to, to preach it, or I should say God, I believe, had me decide to preach it. And uh, we're going to be looking really more at a topical type subject today. And uh, we're going to be talking about ethics from a Christian perspective. And, um, you know, the subject of ethics can be an interesting, uh, if not controversial, subject, can it not be? And, 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 and the reason that is is because typically when we think about ethical things, we typically begin to base those things past, based on our past experiences and what we've been taught and those types of things. And so we all know that that can range greatly depending on the people, amen? But aren't you glad we got a Bible? Amen. Aren't you glad that we got what the Word of God says? Uh, don't get me wrong. I'm interested in what men and, and, and in some cases ladies even think. And I hope you understand what I mean by that. In other words, that didn't sound right. But, but uh, uh, in other words, there's people out there that have given me information that has blessed my life. But at the end of the day, really all that matters is not what men or women say or think. It only matters what God says. Amen. You know, somebody very well intentionally maybe they truly believe sincerely in their heart that they're saying or maybe even the right doing the right thing but oftentimes when we take the word of god and line that up with what god says we might find out something different amen and uh, so again I, i'm interested in ethics i'm interested in what god says and you know character those types of things and we're just going to look at uh, a couple of verses of Scripture in Isaiah chapter 5. I don't know if I told you that or not. But Isaiah chapter 5, when you find Isaiah chapter 5, go ahead and stand with me, uh, if you will, in reverence to the Word of God. And uh, everybody hear me okay? Uh, it sounds like it's working all right. And uh, so super excited about that. And uh, so as I said a while ago, you know, the devil's in electronics. I'm convinced of that. Uh, sound systems, computers. Uh, he loves to get in there and mess things up. So Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, notice what the Bible says. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. If there's ever a day and age when we see that, it's today, right? Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. That put darkness for light and light for darkness. That put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. You know, we just got everything backwards today, don't we? Verse 21 Woe unto them that are wise. Notice what it says there. You ought to underline that in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Father, we ask your blessing upon the preaching of the Word of God this morning. I pray to your God that you just help me to preach what you'd have me to preach, Lord. As I said, it's a little different, Lord. I'm still kind of uh, uh, rattling some things around in my head. So, Lord, I just want to yield myself to you the best way I know how. Father, I just pray that the words that I preach will be your words and the Father, they'll touch and speak to each and every heart, Lord. I, I suppose if we were going to categorize this message, it probably will lend more towards the believer. Uh, but Father, certainly if there's anyone here today that's not saved, dear God, that they really listen to these things and understand, Lord, what is it that drives their, their decision-making? What is it that causes them to believe what is right and what is wrong? And very well could be, Lord, that there's some good folks in here who just simply need to be saved. And so, Father, I hope and pray if that's the case that before this message is over, Lord, that they'll decide to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior through faith in the shed blood. And, Father, we'll thank you for it and love you for it. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen and amen. All right, you can go ahead and be seated again. We're looking at ethics from a Christian perspective. And I believe I had to add that on there, Christian perspective, because that's important. 
um, what might we mean by uh, ethics? And a secular definition that I simply found says this, a system of moral principles that affect our decision-making process. That's good. This in turn affects uh, how we relate and treat others, how we function with a society in mind. And the reason I like that definition, although it's secular, is that ethics is really about how we behave amongst people. I mean, that, it ha that's everything it has to do with. In other words, uh, we just don't live for ourselves, amen, and, and we may make a bad decision. There's a lot of people that will do something harmful or something that isn't right, and it's my business, I'm only hurting myself. Well, that's not true, amen. And certainly those things are important to understand. And so ethics certainly will determine what a person believes, uh, again, is a good life, and that can vary. Uh, it will determine what they believe their responsibilities, in some instances, even what their rights are in a society. And I say again today that a lot of things that are wrong in society is because people just don't think right. And we have a lot of people that are making decisions and passing laws that don't think right. And so our ethics determine, again, what we feel is right. They determine what we're going to feel is wrong. And certainly when it comes to people, those can vary. But even though that's a secular definition, I believe it's a good definition. Because, again, it's, it's about the individual. Certainly has a lot to do with this. Uh, and, and so we, we get into that area to bring this back of, of absolute truth, you see. In other words, uh, uh, we get into this thing, well, preacher, what you believe to, true, be to, to be true isn't what I believe to be true. And certainly when it comes to opinions and philosophies, I suppose that could, could vary. And some people will even go too far and say, well, there is no absolute truth. In other words, a boy isn't necessarily a boy and a girl isn't necessarily a girl. You see the problem with these things when we open that door? Uh, but there are absolute truths. One plus one is two. Somebody might come to me and say, well, preacher, you know, that's your opinion. That might be what you believe. That's how you was raised, you know. But where I was raised, what I believe, we believe that one plus one is three. But don't matter. Because at the end of the day, one plus one is two. There are absolute truths, amen? And certainly when it comes to standards and morals and what God says, all that is absolute truth, Amen? And that's why we're in the mess that we are in today is because of folks not understanding there are absolute truths. There are things that God considers ethical, unethical, uh, right, wrong, uh, things that are abomination, things that are pleasing to God. There are distinct differences in those. But we get into the ethics in the Christian realm. And I believe our text, although I'm not necessarily teaching the, the backdrop of all that and the things that were going on uh, in Judah, in Israel, in the days of Isaiah, although that's a great study, but not going there today. But our text is very plain that it implies something, that, again, that, that a lot of people miss. And as I said, there is truly a moral standard by which we ought to live by. Amen? And again, it has to do with the Word of God. That moral standard, of course, again, the Word of God, the Bible. As you've heard me say many, many times in the short time that I've been your pastor, your attitude towards the Bible is your attitude towards God. And we must never forget that. For the Christian, uh, ethics certainly would be doing right in, in all things all of the time. Amen. 
And it's not based on, as I mentioned a while ago, I won't explain it all again, but it's not based on what we think is right, but what God says is right. And how many times people get upset with a pastor or a Sunday school teacher or just somebody that's trying to disciple somebody and, and get all mad and say, stop judging me. Hey, you don't know. Hey, listen, it's not what we say. This is what God says. Amen. And it's important. And we need it in our life, even the Christian. So Christian ethics, certainly, ain't really any ethics, but we're focusing on Christian ethics, really goes way beyond just your, yourself. You know, we don't, listen, there, there's not a Christian that's pleasing God that lives in a bubble today. There's not a Christian that's pleasing God that believes in this lone wolf Christianity that's out there. Amen? You're to be in the body of Christ, and that is through the local New Testament church. And certainly the things that we do outside these doors affects the body. It affects those that we have relationships through uh, with, that is, uh, uh, God-ordained relationships. So it goes way beyond self. And certainly, when, and don't get me wrong, I'm the worst Christian I know, but, but this is something that if we want to live our lives and be ethical, that only a spirit filled, that is a Christian that is yielded to the Holy Spirit of God. Listen, that's the only way we can do it, amen? It's not simply just knowing what God says is right or wrong, but be able to yield this old dirty flesh to that through the Holy Spirit of God, amen? And it's something that's important. I don't know about you. I feel we're living in the latter days. Actually, the latter days began 2,000 years ago, if you want to get biblical about it. But, but I, I believe, and I know everybody says it, and I could very well be wrong. Might be 100 years before the Lord comes back, but I don't think so. <laughs> it could, you know. I, I believe we'd all admit, as Timothy told Paul, that things are waxing worse and worse. The world, let's, just, well, don't, let's not even talk about the world, let's just talk about America. Would it be a fair statement that America has lost their moral compass? Do you think we just lost it a couple years ago, though? No, we've, lost, we've been losing it for 100 years, really. Uh, listen, certainly the moral compass is off. You know, I, I was doing just a study on culture, uh, I said the other day, but it's been several months, maybe even a few years ago. But, but uh, a lot of things that were once considered unethical just in society in America is now considered ethical. And, 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 you know, of course, we know the big ones, you know, homosexuality, abortion, those types of things. But here's the thing. Here, here's what we don't understand, folks, is, listen, the Bible makes it clear the world is not going to get better for the Lord. The world's going to get worse until God comes and cleans it out. Uh, what I'm saying is, is, is the things that we see out there in the world from the lost, we ought to expect to see those things from the lost. But what really ought to be on our hearts this morning, what's on your pastor's heart, is Christians who are following suit. Amen. And I think, if we're honest, myself included, we, we have been conditioned a lot more by, you know, I, I say it from time to time, church should be evangelizing the world, right? But I'm afraid the world is evangelizing the church. And that's why our churches are becoming worldly. And that's a sad thing to see because we're losing our effectiveness. To I'm not saying churches can't fill their auditoriums up, but a full church doesn't necessarily mean people are saved. Amen. 
So there's a lot of things that were once considered unethical that are considered ethical now, but we ought to expect that from a lost and dying world. But what should, we should be more concerned about is Christians who seem to be losing their way uh, in today's subject ethically, uh, maybe even morally as well. And, and sometimes I think it's just through simple ignorance, whatever the reason may be. And there's a lot of, you know, don't get me wrong, I like to get up here on my soapbox and point out all the things that are wrong. Sometimes I do. I'm not going to try to do that today. But there are some, you know, some eye-opening parallels that we could certainly draw from this. And, you know, as the world moves farther from God, the problem is, is the church just keeps following after the world. <laughs> you know? I think I used the kids here one day to do this. I won't do this today, but, but uh, I'll just get a couple of objects here and and uh, show you what I mean to hopefully get you to see it a little bit better, understand what I'm saying, and then uh, I'll, I'll get back up to preaching. I, I'm not very good at this kind of preaching. Some preachers are better at it than me, but, but let's just say that there's God, amen? Absolute, unchanging. What God said before ere he ever created a man was right and wrong, right? God doesn't, base, God doesn't base what is right, what is true, what is moral, what is unmoral. It was never based because of man. It was before man ever, ever was created. Before God spoke anything to existence, it was already in the mind of God what was right and what is wrong. Amen? So there's God. And of course, we would hope that God's people, the church, would be close to God, right? In other words, and here's the world. We would hope that that the world would be a little closer to God, or the, the church would be a little closer to God than the world, right? But there was a time when, when the world, you know, wasn't too far from God, just as far as morals and ethics. And let's just talk about America for just a minute, you know. Some of you are old enough to remember uh, things were a lot different morally, right? And uh, so, so now we expect the world to keep moving away from God, right? You know, by the time the 60s come along, things are getting pretty bad quick, aren't they? Amen? Amen. And, it, and then we get into the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, and here we are, 2000s, and, you know, the world is just so far from God. Well, let's just say that, let's just say, oh, about 1980, there's where the world was. Now, here's the problem, that we expect that. But here's what the church is doing, following right after it. Amen? Amen. Following right. Th this tells me that, let's say the church is right here now. This tells me that one time the world was closer to God than the church is now. Woo! Woo! Woe is me! That's what I want you to understand, folks. Hey, this stuff, we're it, it didn't just happen in the last couple of years. It's been gradually happening and the problem is we got more ungodly people running the country than we do godly people. And the devil has shown his hand. So I hope you understand why this is so important. A hundred years ago, world was more, America was more ethical, maybe even more biblical than the church is today. <laughs> That's spooky, isn't it? You know, even in my lifetime, I remember that uh, now, I, I didn't grow up a Christian, and, and I grew up in a family of outlaws, but, but Sunday was still respected. 
you know. I mean, things weren't open. Uh, certainly couldn't buy alcohol. Businesses were closed. But that's long gone. No, I'm not going to say that. But <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess I should. Yeah, that's why your pastor's not a big fan of eating out on Sundays. Just thought I'd throw that in there. A lot of Christians have de-emphasized Sunday more than the world used to. Right? Hey, listen, it's going to get easier. I'm, I'm just setting the table here, so don't bear with me here. America one time had a sense of modesty and decency in their dress. How they appeared in public. People used to dress up just to travel. That's certainly long gone, amen? I'm just saying today a lot of Christians are following suit in many ways, and all of it's expediency and convenience and the world once frowned on foul language and cussing, particularly in the front of ladies. Now, I'll just be honest with you. Sometimes I cringe at some of the words out of people who claim to be Christians say. Amen. I I'm just telling you, one time America talked better than many Christians do today. So I, I hope and we could go on and on, I and I probably would. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. But, but, but I, I want us to understand, I think we get the picture, Right? So again, we, we come to the ethics of believers. We can be sure that God still expects the same as He always has. Amen? Uh, we, can, we can believe and, and understand that He's always expected certain things from His people that are called by His name. So how do we know what is ethically right and what is ethically wrong? And, and I'll speed things up here a little bit. And anybody that's heard me preach at all probably knows what my first point is going to be. The resources God gives us for what is ethically right. Number one, the Bible. The Word of God. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for construction in righteousness. It goes on to say that the man of God may be blamely, thoroughly furnished. Uh, something else. I can't remember it all. Look it up. Not right now. I'm preaching. But the Bible gives us everything we need, amen? And a lot of the decisions that Christians are making in life, whether it be what they allow in their home or in their activities, those things just, they, when you line them up with Scripture, they're not, they're not meshing. <laughs> the Bible says, when it says something, we always need to remember that it's settled for all time. Amen. And we expose our, you know, selves to the Word of God. We do that so that we can follow it properly. Amen. Memorize it. Put it in your heart. I've got Father's Day coming up, and I'm gonna. Usually, I don't know why this is, but usually Mother's Day messages are all mushy and you know, and sweet and kind, and and then dads usually get it, you know. <laughs> I mean, and I'm guilty of that myself, you know. We, you know, no, no mercy. <laughs> and uh, so, so I'll, I'll go ahead and do that today, and then I can preach you a good message. Uh, that is a more softer message, I suppose, on Father's Day. But I, I do challenge you, Dad, Grandpa, 
you know, just do you, do you check your doors at night before you secure your home? You probably do. I do. I, I've kind of got a, what do you call that? Uh, you know, when you, when you, you just got to do something. Uh, yeah, yeah. When it comes to locking doors, I know for a fact I have locked that door, but I can't help it. I got to go check it one more time. <laughs> Drives Miss Dana crazy. Drives Miss Dana crazy. And we'll be all in bed and all cuddled up, and, you know, you're in your happy place, getting ready to go to sleep, and I'm like, I got to go check the door. So a lot of uh, us are probably that way. We want to secure our home. Certainly mothers and dads alike would like, you know, they want to make sure their children are clean and fed and well taken care of. Amen? That's, I think we understand that. Surely you have guidelines for them to follow. Again, a lot of these things have to do that ensures their safety. You know, Layla Bug, 21 years old, getting ready to get married, and she wanted to sit out on the picnic tables out back here yesterday and work on her, uh, we call them things, boutonnieres. Is that how you say that? The flower thing for the wedding. And um, I was out mowing and so forth, and when I got done, I said, okay, hon, you're going to have to come in. <laughs> And she was like, what? I said, yeah, you can't be out here by yourself. I'm sorry. I don't know if that's right or wrong, but there's no way I'd have been able to relax knowing she's out there by herself. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. But I'm just saying we, we do a lot. I mean, I mean, it's on our minds. Protect your family at all cost, right? And certainly that's what we ought to be. Any man of God should be that way. But what I'm trying to get you to understand, men, women, if you neglect this Bible, if you neglect this book, you are neglecting your family this morning. No other way around it. Slice it, dice it, do what you want. But if you neglect this Word of God, if you neglect this Bible, you are neglecting your family. And believe you me, there's a lot more spiritual danger out there than a lot of the physical danger that we see. And you will find yourself, maybe even ignorantly, maybe even sincerely, but you'll be finding yourself doing things that are not ethically correct, again, in the eyes of God. So God gives us a Bible in order for us to make those correct, again, ethical decisions. He also gives us church leadership. Amen. Amen. Or maybe not. I don't know. I went ahead and wrote these scriptures down because I felt like I'd be a little long-winded. But Hebrews 13, verse 7 says, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. In other words, their life, what they, their testimony is. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey them that have the rule over you. Submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that's unprofitable for you. See, it's not good for you to be at odds with your pastor. And I understand, hey, listen, pastors are just men. They can be wrong. They can be immoral. They can do things wrong. That's not what I'm talking about. But a lot of times people are upset with pastors just really based on church philosophy, those types of things. We end up getting upset. We end up getting mad. I'm just saying that you do that to your own hurt. Preachers, 
again, they're just men. Your Sunday school teacher is just a human being. I've said this for years, you know, or been saying it for years. A lot of parents, whether they're meaning to or not, they're just teaching their children to see their preacher in a negative light. We need to be careful about that. There's going to come a time in your children, your grandchildren's life, when they're going to need the man of God. But all they've heard is mom and dad running them over the coals their whole life. So they're not going to turn to a preacher. They're going to turn to Oprah Winfrey or Dr. Phil or Ellen DeGeneres. Hmm. Amen. And I fear a lot of parents are doing that. Again, preachers are just men. But we're hurting how our young people see their pastor and others in a rule. I'm not just making this about preachers. I'll just say this. In my opinion, there's a little bit of too much of an informal, flippant attitude towards the men of God these days. Amen. What about other believers? God gives us church leadership. He gives us other believers in our life. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Praise the Lord for that. You know, I believe that God ordains certain people in your life to help you. But a lot of times we push them back, don't we? Hey, listen, God gives us church leadership. He gives us mature Christians uh, in our life to, to help us with things and, and to, to, to show us uh, how we need to live and those types of things. And, you know, I'm always amazed. I don't know what it is, but I'm always amazed when people think, you know, preacher, I'm just going through a hard time, and, and, and they think that distance from the church will help them. <laughs> that, that's, that's not, no, that's not, that's not, God's not in that at all, amen. And, and then we end up making worldly decisions. Not necessarily wicked decisions, but worldly decisions. So God gives us church leadership. You know, I was reading the other day. I went ahead and put it down on my notes. I was going to skip over it. but I was reading in the book of Acts, chapter 27. I have it down here on my notes already. And old Paul heading to Rome, remember? And they're wanting to get there. Ship's captain, the guard wanting to get there but the weather wasn't you know it was that time of year when ships didn't sail and the preacher old apostle paul says sirs i perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage not only of the lading of the ship but also of our lives so often preachers see that train wreck coming you need to make some changes in your life you know that's you don't you don't want to do that you want to stay away from that here's what the bible says but it goes on to say, Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. Preacher, you don't know what you're talking about. Preacher, you're just old-fashioned. Preacher, that might have worked 20 years ago. Preacher, that's not going to wait. Preacher, you just don't understand. Preacher, you don't understand. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do what I think is best. It says that they ignored Paul because... The haven where they were at was not commodious. 
uh, to winter in. In other words, preacher, it's not convenient. It's not expedient. It doesn't line up with my way of thinking. So uh, I, just, I just can't do that. I'm, gonna, I'm setting sail. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go my way. Preacher says, all right. And the Bible later on says, and the south wind blew. I think for a moment they thought, and the Bible indicates this, that see, everything's fine. Got a nice cool breeze. But we all know how it ended, right? And the man of God had to be there to pick up the pieces. So I'm just telling you, God gives you church leadership. He gives us a Bible. So when it comes to Christian ethics, the Bible leadership, certainly prayer, amen. I almost forgot about that. Let's see, I think I wrote this down. Yeah, the Lord is far from the wicked, and he heareth the prayer of the righteous. Philippians 4, 6, Be careful for nothing but everything by prayer and supplication with all thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. Every born-again believer has these resources. Amen? So when it comes to Christian ethics, the Bible, church leadership, certainly prayer has a huge impact. So it tells me if I neglect these things, it's not only going to hurt me, but it's going to hurt my family, again, ethically, morally. The world says that, that ethics evolve and change. This is called what some have deemed situational ethics. In other words, what was ethical 50 years ago isn't ethical today. What was right and wrong, again, depends on circumstances, the times, culture. And, and as we, quote, unquote, get smarter, which we're not getting smarter, we're getting dumber. But as we get smarter, we can change what is right and acceptable. They call that humanism, you see. In other words, man can decide what is right and best for himself. And that sounds kind of noble at times, but at the end of the day, God says, we don't even know how to go in or out. <laughs> you know, This can only be accepted if one believes, again, that there's no absolutes in life. And we've already determined there are absolutes. And if we get back to ethical things in America's past, uh, according to uh, a lot of people today, that, that the reason America was how it was when it came to things that were looked and frowned upon was because, well, they were just old. They, they, they were really kind of stupid and backwards, and they didn't have the education that we have today, you see. In other words, they kind of looked down their nose at that. Well, that's, that's how it was in the past. That's a shame to see that. And they said, well, you know, the reason homosexuality was illegal and the reason that people really believed that a boy was a boy and a girl was a girl, uh, and the reason they believed all that was immoral is because they just don't have the understanding that we have today. What a bunch of garbage. That's straight out of the pit of hell. And there are people that have hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of education that are teaching our young people this in our schools and colleges. God help us. One time, alcohol was illegal. Now pot's legal. Makes you wonder what's next. America, even... Even the non-believer, America, believed that a baby in the womb had rights as a living human being. But now we're smarter, and that ethical boundary has been removed. 
And again, these are just some examples. Again, that's situational ethics, and I hope you see the, the problem with that, all that. But at the end of the day, according to what God says, it's immoral. It's humanistic. It's a socialist view as far as that goes as well. I'm just trying to get you to understand it's not of God. And finally, how the Christians should view ethics. Bible-believing Christians believe in biblical absolutes. Amen. Really, this could be, I'm just going to get down to a two-fold definition. Number one, God is truth. God is truth. It doesn't mean that God speaks truth, which he does, but it means that he is truth. Amen, there's a difference. And that anything that is true, anything that is right, came out of him. Man is still trying to figure things out. God's never had to figure anything out. Nothing has ever occurred to God. God's never said, I didn't see that coming. God has never said, uh-oh, or whoops. God has never said that. He is all-knowing. He is all-truth. He is perfect. He is holy. He is righteous. Deuteronomy 32, 4. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are judgment of God of truth without iniquity. Just and right is he. Amen. So this means when man decides to question what God says, guess who's wrong? The man. As a matter of fact, man messes up as soon as he even questions God. Amen. That'll preach. As far as what is morally correct, making decisions that benefit man, I want you to understand we are incapable of making moral judgments on our own. Just watch the news and you'll know that I'm right. And God says so. It is God and God alone that determines what is right and what is wrong. As I said a while ago, if there was an area of man that ever existed, God's truth still is, for he is truth without man. And it's outrageous that some people think they can question God of what's right or wrong. God is truth. God is truth, so complete obedience to him certainly is a must. I'm not talking about to be saved. We're saved through faith. I'm not talking about a works plan salvation. But if we want God's blessing on our life, and I hope you do, you need to do what he tells you. Amen. And you don't want to do what he tells you not to do. You know, if we believe in, you know, this lie that circumstances dictate right and wrong, then there's going to be times when things look right to do but violate Scripture. <laughs> Amen. Preacher, I know the Bible says this, but... Preacher, I know, but, you know... Listen, there's nothing new under the sun. And maybe you've been through a great deal in your life, maybe more than most people could even imagine. But I just want you to understand that that you're not the exception to the rule. Amen. What I'm saying is, if we believe God is absolute truth, then we must do what He says, despite what that outcome may be. Amen. Think of it this way, to disobey what God says for any reason, as I said a while ago, is to play God yourself. Christians can't simply do what they think is right in their own eyes. We have to be biblically bound to our Savior, obedient in all things. And that's what ethics should be all about, again, from the Christian perspective. And I, and I realize it's difficult to be a biblical Christian when we live in such an unbiblical society, but I want you to know it's possible with God, as we learned in our Sunday school lesson this morning, it's with God's power in our lives. It's, 
It's, it's, look at it this way. It's not so much that you can, Christian, but you must. You must obey God. There's so much in stake, you know, writing there, at stake, that is. Uh, souls could weigh in the balance, but certainly your family. But to be biblically and spiritually led in your life, you must be saved through faith in Jesus Christ. And I want to just change gears here for a little bit. You know, it's a shame some of us, uh, you know, and you may have a, a, a wonderful reason, you know, or a, a providential hindrance there, but I hope that you're not just simply choosing not to come to Sunday school. That would be a shame. But we learned this morning about the rich young ruler who came and said, what must I do to be saved? And he came to the right person. He came to the right place. But the Bible says that he went away sad and grieved. In other words, he went away lost. And we looked at some principles there, and I just want to share them with those maybe that weren't here this morning. But, but you know, listen, searching for heaven, that's not enough. You know, a lot of people are searching for a, for a higher understanding, a higher power. But listen, that, that's, that's not enough. Uh, acknowledging God, it, it's not enough. You, you hear what I'm saying? Oh, I believe. Well, what do you believe about God? Well, I got my own feelings about that. Well, <laughs> but what does the Bible say? Well, I don't know. I don't read the Bible. So acknowledging God, searching for, you know, for, for heaven, that's not enough. Keeping commandments, maybe. Hey, hey, listen, you might live a better life than, not that I'm an example, but you might live a better life than most Christians do. Amen. He's saying, now wait a minute, preacher. Hey, don't get mixed up in this works-based philosophy. Amen? I'm saying that there's, there could be Christians that live a, a, a worse life than some unbelievers do, but at the end of the day, that Christian will go to heaven because of Christ, not because of works. So I just want you to understand, you might live a good life, you might have a good moral compass about you, but you will not go to heaven because of that. Because we all come short of the glory of God. Being good is not enough. And as we think about that rich young ruler, trusting in stuff is not enough either. You won't take any of that with you. So we end with one passage of Scripture. Go ahead and turn to the book of John. The book of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 3. John chapter 3, verse 17. If you're here this morning, you're not saved. If you're here this morning, you're not sure what salvation is. If you're here this morning, you're trusting on some type of work or sacrament to make heaven your home. I want you to listen to these verses, and we'll go to the Lord in prayer and have invitation. But John chapter 3, verse 17 says, For God sent not His Son in the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Now notice verse 18 very carefully. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. I don't know what you're trusting in to take you to heaven someday, but if it isn't faith in Jesus Christ, you got it all wrong, and your eternity weighs in the balance. But I want you to know the Bible also says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, I love this word, shall be saved. Amen. No reason for anybody to leave here today lost. Amen. Hey, I hope you determine today to leave here living a good life by the book. 
But I'm just saying you cannot do it until you're saved. So if you're not saved, that's the first step. And if you are saved, what are you? Is the world evangelizing you, or are you evangelizing the world? Is your carnal friends and family evangelizing you, or are you evangelizing your carnal friends and family? Hmm. Hmm. Amen. How many want a better America? Starts with right here in this room. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed as our